I've learned you go slow to go fast. And I really just got in the mode of like just trying to juggle all the balls without, you know, really paying attention to the the people around me and just making time to listen and, and ask questions. Yeah, go slow to go fast. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux, and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Having been the user myself, what I like about Game Refinery's tool is that it helps game developers take a more data-driven approach to adding features, metas, and live events to their mobile games at any stage of development, from new game development to growing the current portfolio of games. And what makes Game Refinery differ from a traditional market research tool is that its team of game analysts play and deconstruct the best-in-class mobile games on an ongoing basis, across 50 genres, hundreds of features, and thousands of live events. The data insights provided are actionable because they are based on data collected by real humans and not bots. And you will save a lot of time browsing through a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementation that you can collect and share with your teammates. So want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, Funplus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or just check out the link in the podcast episode notes. So today I'm sitting down with Forest Swartout Lodge. And before we begin a bit more about Forest, so she's a 23-year veteran of the film and games industry. And now she's the co-founder and COO at Twin Suns Corp. Having worked on Tomb Raider, Inside and Hitman, and most recently she shipped Hitman 3 as the executive producer, she is on a mission to make AAA games development more ethical, inclusive, and sustainable with her new company. So hi, Forrest. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I'm happy if we finally got to catch up for this interview. And it's funny because a few years back we met, I think, at Malmo, I think often about uh, the talk that you gave on anti-fragility and yeah. uh, often map those concepts to what I'm working on. And it's it's been a few years now. So I just want to say thank you so much for that inspiration. Thanks. And I'm so grateful as well to hear that as uh, that was my intention. And I think the podcast is the continuation of it, like following up on the people who have been, you know, inspired in some way by the concept I shared and then to see and uh, follow up with them uh, the execution on what they've done with their studio and culture. Let's begin and get uh, right into that. So uh, I think it's a company keeps you quite busy, but I'm asking anyway, what are the exciting things that are happening in your life right now? Well, right now it is fall in the Pacific Northwest. And I think for me this year, I'm really hoping to just you know, get to know the city. We moved here from Copenhagen last year. And last year was just so busy building the company and getting my family settled. This year, I'm just really hoping that we can get out in nature, do some skiing, do some hiking. So yeah, I'm just really, really enjoying the area. 
Let's begin then with a bit more about Twinson's uh, Corp. So I remember I read more about the approach, the culture, the process you had in mind at um, Pocket Egg Gamer article, I think. And I wanted to actually hear more from you now, you know, the mission, what the company is about, why did you build it in the first place, a bit beyond, you know, the intro I gave about you. Yeah. So Twinsense Corp is a global, fully remote game studio, and we have team members in North America and Europe and Asia Pacific region. We formed to create high quality, timeless franchises based on original IP. The studio was initially dreamed by my co-founder, Tim Longo. He always worked at large companies on high profile IP And his idea initially was to build something with people he had worked with previously to create original IP. For me, I think the idea of building something different, something new, was actually uh, born out of something very personal. Um, It was the experience of going through my husband's cancer diagnosis and treatment about a year before COVID. Mm. So even before COVID, I was thinking a lot about time, how time is finite, how I want to spend my time, the people I want to spend my time with, just how every day is a gift and how we really can't take our time for granted and how I didn't want to take my time for granted. You know, in the industry, um, starting out in film and television and and moving into games, I've, I've always worked really long, really hard hours. And I think personally, I've always sacrificed a lot for not so much in return. And I think this is true, actually, for a lot of developers, certainly not just me. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of inequity in our industry in games, and particularly on the AAA side. So with Twin Sons, I'm really hoping, you know, that we can prove that we can make AAA games even working on new IP, that we can do it sustainably and to really prove that there is actually a business case for this approach. I love it. And I, as you can see, uh, the optimism and also, you know, like having a positive approach to it, like maybe it doesn't exist yet or maybe in the form that you are describing, but that's exactly what you can do when you are, have experience, a network and also a vision to try, you know, to build it. So uh, the culture and the values are here to support the execution of a mission. And how far are you with the crystallization of the culture you want to build and the values? Is there something you can talk about? I assume as well as your role COO, you are looking into those things, uh, I guess, right? Definitely. Definitely. You know, our first, our first value is, is people above all. And that is probably the, the value that has most guided us in our both our day-to-day and and our bigger decisions. You know, when we're thinking about scoping the project, we think about the team. When we think about big strategic things, we think about the team. Um, It always goes back to the team, the the group of people that we have brought together. Um, So that is the most important thing for us. And every other decision basically gets, gets hooked onto that. Another area that we've been focusing on a lot, especially recently, is trying to really nurture our culture around failing and learning to really normalize and celebrate and destigmatize failure. I don't feel like we have been 
talking through our failures enough, actually. One thing that we started recently was in our team meetings is to have a little section that's like my favorite failure (laughs) or my biggest oopsie and uh, different team members will, you know, just just share big and small epic failures and, and tiny failures from last week or 20 years ago. I know for me, it has been really hard for me to talk about my own failures because I've, I've always felt a responsibility to set a good example, or I've felt that people are waiting for me to fail. <laughs> and so I've just always felt like I have something to prove and I have to succeed so that, you know, the next time someone who looks like me applies at a company, they're reminded of a success story and, and not, a, not a failure moment. Do you know the series Fuck Up Nights? Yeah. 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 So I went to that and I just felt incredibly inspired and moved by women getting up on a stage and telling failure stories. Mm. It just completely blew my mind that someone could do that and survive. <laughs> survive that moment. And actually that like, it is something that you can pass on and, and give to others. Yeah, you're the second person to mention to me a fuck up night. So it is uh, maybe uh, it is a thing to really attend or check to give a bit more of this sense of humility or, you know, kind of a, a take distance to what it means to share the failures. Are there key things you uh, would like to share that, you know, here as we talk about failures and learning that were things that you maybe planned or intended to do? And then one year later, well, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. Do you have few uh, takeaways? I think one thing that surprised me that we have had to spend a lot of, of time and, and energy around is actually making sure that our team members don't burn out and really try to wrap our arms around overwork. Understand why are people overworking? Why do we have fatigue at early stages of development? And there's a lot of reasons. We from the beginning, have been trying to tackle global development, which means we have team members in all time zones. But yeah, the the global piece has been challenging. We have had to, you know, really try to work with people to, you know, make sure that they're not overworking, that we do more asynchronously so that Mm -hmm. uh, people don't feel like, you know, they have to get up and attend to for example, a meeting with Europe at 6 a.m. and then a meeting with Singapore, you know, late into mm-hmm. the evening that results in a, in a far too long workday. So we've gotten a lot better at documentation and recording videos of meetings and just being more thoughtful about our synchronous communication and our asynchronous communication. And we're, we're still working on it, you know, and I think we will, we will work on it for the, the life cycle, the entire life of our studio. And I wanted to follow up on this setup of a global and remote, because especially when you start to build a company, it's great if you are building it with a network, you know, but at some point you are also expanding it with people you don't really know and people among each other don't really know each other. So how do you build the connections or very strong relationships or even trust for a team that is global, barely have a synchronous time? We are fortunate to actually have a number of us who have, have worked with each other um, mm-hmm. at different companies and at different times in our career. We haven't 
all worked together before. I would say, just speaking for myself, I have gotten a lot of mileage from one-to-ones, especially the people that I hadn't worked with before. I have a, a higher cadence of, of one-to-ones with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, a good one. To you know, really make sure that I'm forging my own relationship with those mm-hmm. people and establishing our language together. So I I work with um, both on the operation side and on the production side at, at Twin Sons Corp. Currently, we are two producers on the West Coast and one producer in Europe. I think of our 24-hour development as a sort of a, a relay <laughs> where, you know, you have a group of sprinters who are, are sprinting uh-huh. during their workday and we have the, the baton handoff, uh-huh. right? So yeah. we're, you know, right now there's only three of us, but we meet together as a group once or twice a week. And then we each have one-to-ones at least once a week. Um, and that's working, I think, really well for us. In our disciplines, we have people in every discipline in every time zone. So we try to optimize our meetings or at least rotate the meetings so that there at least one meeting a month is optimized for each time zone. Mm-hmm. And that makes me lead to the question of how big is the team? So to understand what is the scale of how you're operating don't need to have the exact number, but more the range, because are we talking about 10 people, 50, 100, uh, which would be adding another layer of a challenge, right? In the synchronization or organization of all what you described. Definitely. Uh, We are a little over 50 people right now. Maybe as your role as a CEO, how do you uh, split your focus, priorities? You said like you are following the two tracks of operations and production. What about like as well, I don't know, company culture? The people, how are you organized with your co-founder? My co-founder, Tim Longo, is the game director and CEO, and I'm the the EP and COO. So we try to meet every single day, at least for a little bit, to have some one-to-one time. And then we have at least once a week, but usually it's twice a week, where we, we meet for a longer stretch. We have a weekly director's meeting um, now we're we're upping it actually because we don't feel like it's enough. So one meeting a week is more focused on process, and the other meeting is is more focused on the game itself. I've learned you go slow to go fast. There was I would say for the first six to nine months, you know, it's just it's so chaotic, it's so busy. There's so many emergent things that come up, unplanned, unexpected things. And I really just got in the mode of like just trying to juggle all the balls without, you know, really paying attention to the the people around me and just making time to listen and and ask questions. Yeah. And go slow to go fast. And being not aware about uh, AAA development, are we talking about several years or uh, do you need to grow even more for the production of what you're building? We are in pre-production right now in a multi-year project. And we are, yeah, as I said, we're currently a little over 50 and we're hoping to add 20 to 25 people over the course of the next year. Getting more into like also the setup of a like process and a remote work, are you even meeting in real life at some point or everything works really as best as it can uh, remote? 
I'm really hoping we've actually started having some local meetups, um, mm-hmm. which I think have been really wonderful. I actually just had one with people in Seattle and someone, one of our team members who was visiting from the Netherlands just last Friday. Um, wow. And that was really wonderful to see people in real life and laugh about our, our massive height differences. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you when you work with someone only online for over a year and you don't even know how tall they are, it's, yes, <laughs> it's quite funny to to meet in person for the first time and see each other in three D. So I don't think that we are that we will be able to in the coming year do a global retreat. But I'm I'm still hoping. I'm crossing my fingers and toes. I would love to get the the whole team together. More reasonable will probably be like regional meetups just to to give everyone the opportunity um, to get together in 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 real life Mm -hmm. i think you know we we thought when we formed the company that we would be able to have a a global meetup within the first year but due to the the realities of covid we haven't been able to make it happen yet Mm -hmm. and uh, checking the pulse a bit of what you know talents are looking for when they're looking for a new place to work is it a benefit for them to be working remote over time with a global team or it it is challenging for some people who would wish to have more, you know, like colleagues, uh, people that they would meet in an office space uh, regularly, how it's been for you overall? Yeah, I think it's been a huge advantage for us. I mean, okay. we've, we have actually been able to to get some of our team members to join us who, you know, had gone remote during COVID and didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, we were able to, you know, capture some of those really talented team members that way. I mean, the other thing is that, you know, we started as a, as a remote company. We're not a company that is trying to navigate a new hybrid reality or, or a new reality. We, we started with the promise of, of fully remote. And so everyone that has joined is someone who, for the most part, actually shipped a game prior to joining Twin Sons in a remote context or went remote with a previous company. So we're really getting the people who have embraced remote and, mm. and sort of see it as what they need in their life right now or for ever. I mean, for me, I find the workplace incredibly distracting. I'm so curious about what everyone is working on. And I just found that I would be at the office, not really able to get my own deep work done. And then I would go home and then do a full day of work at home. (laughs) And so I do like two full days in a day. And that just was incredibly unsustainable. And, you know, I just get to be closer to my family. <laughs> I get to sort of set up my, my schedule in a way that makes more sense for me. Let's take a short break to hear a few words from a sponsor who are making this episode possible. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Game Refinery's analysts and data scientists deconstruct and uncover the best practices behind the most successful mobile games today. With Game Refinery, you can prioritize new features in your product roadmaps based on real-world data. Save time with a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementations and thousands of first-time user experience videos. And create your own LiveOps playbook inspired by the best practices of leading developers. Want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, FunPlus, Rovio, Garina, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? 
go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or check out the link in the podcast episode notes. Now, let's get back to our conversation. And reflecting uh, on, uh, you know, your initial statement, I believe there were some low points. If you're willing to share, what were they and what did you learn from those? And also looking back, is this how you actually imagine you would spend your time? I would say in my 23 years of working, the last year was the toughest. Hmm. It was also the most rewarding And I've had the most proud moments I've ever had. So yeah, the highest of highs. And I would also say the lowest of lows. The hardest times were the times when I just let myself get sucked up in the admin. I was going to say emergent chaos, like just the things that had to be done, right? The the tax form that just had to be filed or the, mm. the meetings that had to be, that weren't planned for. And I was depleted because I was just focused on those things rather than connecting with the people that I chose to work with, mm -hmm. right? I was not doing the activities or the work that felt really meaningful for me. I did always feel like I learned something when I was finished with a tax form. <laughs> It was like, oh gosh, I really, you know, I really came here for the people and I'm, and I'm really here for that. So, you know, a big learning is just that even if I'm focused on the rhythm of the business, the rhythm of the business for me has to include connecting with people, both in group forms and in one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. And that is what sustains me. And that is what prevents me from getting depleted. I also just had terrible boundaries and was completely focused on the business and building the company. And I was not taking care of myself. I was not prioritizing my needs or the rhythm of my life. Mm -hmm. That's also what this year is about for me is just sort of reestablishing boundaries. And, and it's ironic because, you know, a, a big part of my reason for co-founding this was to, so that we could all work sustainably. The great irony is that I'm here like <laughs> trying to get everyone else to work sustainably. And here I am just not doing it, right? Like encouraging others and, and not, uh, not even listening to my own advice. So that's what I'm trying to do now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm wondering about the boundaries because those are really hard. What are the things in those low moments that really help you take a step back? And, and realize what was happening and implement something new, you know, like to the change. Do you have tools where you help by a coach? I don't know, or another support system that help you go through those changes? Yeah, we did gather some support around me. I have uh, started going back to the gym <laughs> after like yeah. a... 10 year hiatus. So great to feel my muscles again and work on my strength, my physical strength. I think, you know, we, we started the conversation about nature. And I think that is an important piece for me, actually, in terms of just like big resets and micro resets and just being reminded of the bigger picture and, and the bigger world. And yes, ideally, we are filing our taxes on time. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And I think it, it connects to failure too. Like it's also okay. 
if things get missed or, yes. you know, then you just do your best. And, and, you know, like you said, you just, you try to sit back and, and reflect, what do I need to change? Who do I need to add? <laughs> what process needs to be created? How do we prevent this? You know, if it was a, a failure or a mistake, or how do we sort of better position ourselves for, for moving forward? We've talked before about like the art of asking for help, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I've learned this past year is, you know, startup life is just so dynamic and the people that, that we're working with in terms of our extended team, advisors, you know, they're, they're busy people. So one thing I've learned is just, you know, keep asking for help. You don't know where the help is going to come from. Mm -hmm. A big surprise for me is like, our accounting firm has been just like, they constantly surprise me. I shouldn't be surprised anymore because they're just always wonderful and, and help and, and I never expected. But I think it's just, yeah, like to just be relentless and asking for help. Like if the people that you're asking for help from can't provide it because they're busy or they're not sort of optimized for that at that moment, then just keep going. And which makes me think as well, same process when fundraising. I wanted to ask about that as well. How you did you start? Did you bootstrap or did you start as well with uh, initial support and funding? How did the process go for you? So my co-founder Tim was bootstrapping his time, um, oh. and he had actually already started the fundraising process solo, and then I joined him. We did not have playable software. We did not have people working full time. It was just literally a pitch deck <laughs> <laughs> with a game concept and a company vision. It was quite challenging, but because we are such a mission-driven company, we were very curious and very focused on, on the mission and vision of everyone that we talked to. Mm -hmm. So when we were fundraising, We talked to basically anyone and everyone we could, and we tried to, you know, get the most out of each meeting in terms of learning, iterating on the pitch, learning about, you know, what, what did and did not land about mm -hmm. the story um, that we were trying to engage people in. It was uh, incredibly humbling <laughs> to do uh, pitch after pitch. We ended up with Hero Capital as our lead investor. Um, and we're just, we feel incredibly fortunate with them. They're just wonderful and so supportive. And we also have One Up Ventures, which is uh, actually a community of game startup founders that has been huge for us in terms of the extended support network. You know, we are continuously reminded that we're not alone. Mm. There's a lot of people that we can, you know, ask advice from, compare stories It's great to hear that when you were pitching about your company and you were, I think, very strong about your positioning with your mission, that was important. That was the main reason why you exist and why you formed the company, that you managed to find alignment with investors who supported your mission, right? Because I think it helps you for in the long run. And you seem, you seem very happy with those partners as the way you talk about them. We are very happy. I mean, we, we wanted partners that would understand what we were trying to build mm -hmm. and would give us support and space. And we've definitely gotten that with all of our partners and investors. And uh, my last questions are more looking toward, you know, the future and near future. 
So what are your priorities at the moment, the things you'd like to solve or, you know, get into order? And what is the next exciting things that you're really looking forward to at the end of the year on the company or game level that are happening, the milestones, if any? Yeah, as I mentioned before, we're currently a little bit over 50 and we're hoping to add 20 to 25 people. We are currently about 60% of us in North America and are a little over 20% in Europe and a little under 20% in, in APAC region. Wow. So really hoping to increase our team in APAC region, especially a bit more in Europe. And I think a, a priority is really sort of building out our production staff. And by production staff, I mean producers, yeah. <laughs> our producer production staff to help the team scale, to help the project scale and to bring us from pre-production into production. All right, then uh, that's it for today for uh, our conversation. Thanks a lot for sharing, you know, the learnings and quite a hard learnings because I understand as well, like it's been a tough ride and you are, you know, still in the ride. But sharing those learnings are also very uh, helpful for other entrepreneurs. That's uh, like you said, how you learn from each other. Hopefully don't do the same mistakes. So thanks a lot for sharing. And I'm I'm really also looking forward to seeing more of public uh, information and even like footage of your game and what you've been up to with your studio thank you so much for the opportunity and and for having me thanks for listening to this latest episode of the rise and play podcast i am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond so if you want to join this movement please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other also please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week and until the next time, 